lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. Greetings and happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. My name is Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He's Aaron McIntyre. You are you. Let us know how and what and why you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox, which you can take advantage of by emailing the show, Steve at SteveDace.com. You can also like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Follow me on Twitter and Getter at Steve Dace Show. And the last name is uh, spelled, of course, D-E-A-C-E. Uh, one thing we keep learning over and over and over again. Now you're learning this from the Disney Corporation. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into that after Aaron's montage. But uh, when you have an opportunity, which there aren't many of any longer, corporate America isn't corporate America anymore. It's corporate global. And it is often aligned against us as Americans. This has been a truth that we have been slow to learn on the right because a lot of us came up in an era when corporate America was part of the old Reagan coalition. That's no longer true. And that's why when there is an opportunity for you to do business with those who align with your values, please take full advantage of it. And one way we can pretty much all do it because it's almost impossible to live in modern America without a mobile phone is by switching to our friends over at Patriot Mobile. We made the switch last fall. We put it off for too long, got tired of giving T-Mobile our money for hating us. Then we found out a couple months later that T-Mobile was now censoring texts. Okay, if they don't like what you're sending over your text, they wouldn't let you. Uh, if it dared, defied the spirit of the age narrative, don't do that stuff anymore. We have the same coverage. We were able to even upgrade our phones. They made it so convenient for us. They have an excellent customer service team. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know. They will make sure to give you even bigger discounts when you sign up at patriotmobile.com slash Steve. Go with the company that shares and fights for your values. At PatriotMobile.com slash Steve, get a free activation when you use the offer code Steve, and you can just simply call them if that's simpler for you at 972-PATRIOT. All right, coming up on the show today, three non-political questions. We will continue to the bitter end, and I promise you the end will be bitter but we will get to the bitter end of this Theology Thursday series on Scott Atlas's book, Studying the Spirit of the Age and How Not to Defeat It. Do the exact opposite. Do the opposite of everything Scott Atlas saw from the Trump White House in his three months there leading up to the election. Do the exact opposite. Okay. Uh, and so we will continue our next theater of the absurd or... Why I Started Cutting Myself. That could be an alternate title to this Theology Thursday study. Uh, we will get to that next hour. At the bottom of this hour, we'll go over the latest brand and round of fake news narratives with Drew Holden. He'll be joining us here at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, we begin, as always, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Mind on the Oil and Oil on the Mind. Yesterday, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki says it's the oil companies who are to blame for rising petro prices, along with uh, Russia, of course. What additional permits do they need? There's no, the, They have the leases are there. The permits are there. I don't think they need an embroidered invitation to drill. That is their oil companies. Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm. 
you know, if you drive an electric car, this would not be affecting you, clearly. Granholm also added yesterday the need for oil companies to increase production, so they're all over the place. Inflation hit another 40-year high in February, rising 7.9% year over year. Naturally, the House of Representatives passed a $1.5 trillion, 2,700-page omnibus bill that was introduced in the middle of the night, Tuesday into Wednesday. That bill includes $14 billion for Ukraine. Congressman Chip Roy, your thoughts? Don't get played. But my colleagues on this side of the aisle are about to get played. And everybody back home is saying, what are you going to do to stop vaccine mandates? Nothing. What are you going to do to secure the border? And my colleagues on this side of the aisle are going to say, oh, don't worry, we're going to give you more money for ICE, more money for Border Patrol. But you know what that does? It makes it worse because you're funding the processing of people at our border because that's all Border Patrol and ICE are doing. But my colleagues on this side of the aisle are going to say, oh, look at us. We did something for you for border security. It ain't true. About those biological labs in Ukraine, the system is in full panic mode right now. Over the testimony the other day from Undersecretary of State Victoria Newland, Jen Psaki offered up a lengthy Twitter thread yesterday saying reports about biological weapons development in Ukraine is Russian disinformation, but we should also look for Russia to use biological weapons in a false flag. The Department of State also released so-called fact checks saying the same thing. Here's Kamala Harris in Poland laughing about refugees. Okay. <laughs> a friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> okay, I, I, I first. okay, so this time. And now, Florida Republican Representative Maria Salazar, ladies and gentlemen. And, and do you support a no-fly zone in Ukraine? I support everything that has to do with punishing Vladimir Putin and helping the Ukrainians. Wouldn't that mean direct conventional warfare with Russia? I don't know what it will mean, but you know freedom is not free. So you don't know what a no-fly zone will mean? If you have to shoot down Russian planes, I mean... Of course! So conventional war with Russia. Listen... Thank you. In other news, Disney CEO Bob Shapik says his company is unhappy with the law moving forward in Florida, which would ban teachers from teaching children seven and under about gender ID and sex. In completely unrelated news, Disney announced last year they're taking advantage of over a half billion dollars in tax incentives to move some of their employees from Southern California to Florida. It'd be a shame if anything happened to that. Gay, 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 gay. I'm super gay. Rear Admiral Buttigieg's butt buddy, Chastin, was at some sort of grooming camp or event recently when he had the kids say this. I pledge my heart, pledge my heart to the rainbow to the, the not-so-typical gay camp one camp full of pride, full of pride indivisible, indivisible with affirmation and equal rights for all. With affirmation and equal rights for all. Watch your heads. And finally, what science class is like these days with J.P. Sears. Welcome to science class. Today, we're going to learn the science of where babies come from. Now, back in primitive civilization, when we thought the Earth was round, it was believed that only women had babies. 
but now through modern advancements in human civilization, we know the earth is flat and that babies come from men. With all these men having babies, we're going to have to get men into having abortions soon because they're just populating the planet too much. And a man's right to choose has been oppressed by misogynistic women making everything about their right to choose. Now here's how it works. When a man and a woman, or a man and another man, come together, they make a baby. Um, isn't it that you need both a man and a woman to have a baby? Because men have the sperm that then fertilizes the woman's egg? No, 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 no. That's just medical misinformation being spread by Joe Rogan. You see, it's just like the only way to make water is to combine two hydrogen molecules with one oxygen molecule. But let's say you don't have any hydrogen molecules. Can you still make water? No. Incorrect! Even if you don't have any hydrogen, a vital component of water, you can still make water with only oxygen if you want it to be water. Because science. And that's what happened while we were away. This is, this is actually a somewhat promising uh, montage, uh, given the dark days in which we live. And I, I will explain why in a moment. First, though, tensions in Europe boiling over inflation at a 40-year high. Some analysts predict stock returns of less than 4% until 2030. So how are some Americans preparing for economic uncertainty? Well, many are investing their money in an unexpected commodity. It's not natural gas or oil, even though all investments involve risk. Some experts believe it's a better hedge against inflation than even gold. And its prices outpaced the S&P 500 by 164% from 1995 until 2021. What am I talking about? Um, contemporary art. I know. I know it sounds weird, but after the 2008 crash, tons of wealthy investors used art to defend their wealth. And thanks to Masterworks, you can too. It's a revolutionary app that's made multi-million dollar paintings investable. In other words, you can invest in paintings without needing to buy the entire thing. Pretty genius concept if you want to discover how it works along with their 350,000 plus members. Go to masterworks.io, masterworks.io slash Steve. That's masterworks.io slash Steve. Well, part of the statement that Disney put out yesterday is that uh, they have asked for a meeting with Governor Ron DeSantis. In the, <laughs> I'm going to do my own Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Uh, in the overtime today, we will fantasize. Uh, no, not about uh, Kamala Harris smoking some poles with her intellect. No, we will instead fantasize about, can you imagine what that meeting would be like between Ron DeSantis and some Disney executives? Oh, I'd pay to watch that, wouldn't you? Oh, I, yeah. I would. I would. I would absolutely pay to watch. Okay, so uh, we will get into that. We will fantasize a little bit today in the overtime at blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber. If you're not yet one, if you are already one, then just uh, be a little patient. We will record that for you right after today's live show, and then it will be uh, uploaded for you to watch later today at blazetv.com slash dace. All right, let, let's get to the montage and, and why I think there is actually some optimism here. Uh, one of the things that Aaron mentioned uh, in his montage is how the system is in uh, the regime, the spirit of the age is in full panic mode over these Ukrainian bioweapons labs. So here is the story. 
The story is that the Ukrainians were doing defensive research on bioweapons. And therefore, it's not a bioweapons lab. They were doing defensive research. And they're afraid that if the Russians co-opt these labs, they can then use them for offensive weaponry. Um, a, a couple of things here. Number one, raise your hand if you think Russians don't already have biological weapons. You're the one. You're too dumb to live. My advice to you, short walk off a long High peer, call me in the morning, particularly before you breed. Yes. Vlad, this reminds me of Donald Trump is literally Hitler, but give him your guns. Okay. Vladimir Putin is literally Hitler, but he doesn't have any biological weapons unless he confiscates them from the Ukrainians. Buying that one? No. You know why you're not buying that one? Because you have an IQ above 70. That's why. Also, it sounds like Fauci wrote this press release. Yes. Yes. So so he's the worst person in the world. And he's one of them for sure. But but he would not have had any access to biological weapons or already used them if not for confiscating those poor defenseless labs in Ukraine. Guys. Really? 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 Yeah. That's the first dumb, okay? The second dumb is, if you are doing research that can be weaponized, it is not strictly defensive research. I know we're, you know, JP JP just pointed out a few minutes ago, we're struggling with the definition of terms, okay? But if you can, if you're doing research that can be weaponized, it is not strictly defensive research. This is a fallacy, they might as well have closed their explanation with, and oh, by the way, everything's relative. It's honestly like they took Fauci's gain of function, we didn't do a testimony with Rand Paul, and just erased anything about COVID and just put in... Just fill in the blanks? Yes. Well, this, if, 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 you know why it might look like that? Because this is the same story we've been covering for the yes. last... We were, we were, I'm sorry, we were covering for the last 24 months. That has, now, that has been memory hold, wormhold, despite the fact... In the latest update from the World Health Organization, sadly, more people died with COVID-19 in America right now than they were at this time last year. But the polling and everything on it is bad, so it had to go because this was never about health from the very beginning, nor is this about Ukraine. It's the same story. You're seeing the same kinds of talking points and fallacies for the same reason I said yesterday, stop posting, where's Fauci? He's president of Ukraine now. It's the same story. They've just moved to something that is polling better. And they'll stay on this one until it's not. Then they'll move to something else. This is the plan. It's all part of the plan. This is the plan. Shameless plug. That's why I wrote that book. Do what you believe. Because it was clear after COVID that there's a new game plan now. And we're going to see similar talking points and similar game plans on virtually every issue moving forward. And so we better update our tactics accordingly. So if you want to get your copy, it's available at Amazon.com today. Do what you believe, or you won't be free to believe it much longer. Last night on Fox, Fox's, I guess, is she their chief Pentagon correspondent, maybe? 
uh, uh, Janice, uh, what's her name again? Fill me in. I'm sorry. Jennifer Jan- Griffin. Jennifer Griffin. Thank you. I think she's their chief correspondent at, for the Pentagon. And Sean Hannity asked her about this story that blew up after the testimony before Marco Rubio. And she said, this is fake news. They're not bio-offensive bioweapons labs. And, and in the report, what she presented as her evidence was a statement. I'm holding right here, she said, what she presented as her evidence that this was being mischaracterized. I mean, if, if, there's a cold civil war happening between 8 and 10 Eastern on Fox News right now, guys. In case you haven't noticed. I don't even watch Fox. I've noticed. Okay, there is a cold civil war occurring and this cold civil war is between the Tucker Carlson and Sean Hannity programs from 8 to 10 Eastern on Fox News. And so because of that cold civil war, Hannity trots in Janice Griffin in order to point out that Tucker Carlson is again peddling fake news because, you know, Sean, Sean wants war with Russia bad. He's got, he's got an erection for war with Russia. He wants it real bad, okay? He wants to get to the bottom of a nuclear war alongside his buddy, Lindsey Gramnesty, really bad. She tells Sean her evidence is, I'm holding here in my hands an official statement from the, the, the Pentagon. That was her evidence. Not any different than the New York Times just taking Pfizer press releases. We talked about that recently, Mm -hmm. right? Just taking Pfizer press releases and running them on the front page like they're news. Here's why this is good news. And I have a little bounce in my step seeing this this morning. Not too long ago, me and a few other people would have pushed back ruthlessly on that and pointed out this is again... Fox trying to control the Overton window of what we're allowed to talk about on the right, basically operating as the Kaisers or Keystone Cops, depending on your view of their overall programming uh, align, uh, alignment uh, of the of the uh, of, of the you know of the right. Of, of, they are the controlled opposition. They're the Washington generals here. They'll you know they'll choose for us who our GOP nominee should be right. It, me and a few other people would say this out loud, mainly and because. A lot of other people knew this. They just wanted to get booked on Fox News, so they knew better to say. Me, I, I don't care and already figured out it. there's nothing I can do at this point. So why not just let the freak flag fly? But before I could even go there this morning, my Twitter feed was full of people with blue check marks on the right or the critical thinking left, like a Glenn Greenwald, calling complete and total BS on this. If we're now at the point that we are going to go ahead as a, I guess, movement or splinter movement, maybe is a better way of putting it. Insurgency, I guess, maybe is another way you could put it. But if we are now going to, there's going to be more of us than me, Daniel Horowitz, and like three other people. If If we're at the point now that we are going to openly call BS... And it's going to be lots of people. Lots of people were doing this on my feed this morning. If we're going to openly call BS on Fox now, we're closer to where we need to be 
We're getting there. We're getting closer. We're definitely a step closer than we were, you know, 48 hours ago when I woke up to March snow. <laughs> right? We're getting there. All right. My, now my fear is, man, I wish we would have gotten here about five years ago. Right. We got here about five years ago. Imagine the place we'd be in right now. Yeah, but that's impossible. We couldn't. We had to go through. I think I think we had to. Yes, I, I agree. But if we are at the point now that lots of people all over the right are calling open BS on this. Then we are approaching, in my opinion, and hey, my analysis could be wrong, but it's my analysis and that's what you're paying and whether it's your time or money to tune into right now is my analysis. My analysis is where we are really getting close to now the kind of mindset of where we need to be to actually win this thing. Something else I saw that gave me optimism is the reaction from many of the same sectors on the right pushing back with impunity on the attempt to, you know, um, RIFRA, the, uh, the grooming law in Florida. You remember the RIFRA? Mm-hmm. That's that was you know that originated out of, of Mike Pence's Indiana where they were when he was governor there and they were going to emulate like 29 other states that had a RIFRA law based off of a federal piece of legislation that was uh, co-sponsored by Ch- Senator by Congressman Chuck Schumer at the time and signed into law by President Clinton uh, protecting religious freedom. But since that would now also include protecting the religious freedom of Christians, we can't do that because. Um, you're to be targeted. Uh, Pence, of course, completely ankle grabbed because he's Mike Pence uh, and produced a fix that actually made it easier, according to several legal analyses, including from the Family Research Council. It actually made it easier for the spirit of the age to target believers than previously. Been better off doing nothing, basically. Right. So they tried to do this same. It's called the technique. If you've ever read a phenomenal book by David Capellian. Uh, from about 15 years ago called The Marketing of Evil. When we did that show, uh, when we did the show on 10 books, we all need to read. That was one of my suggestions, right? right? Okay. And this technique is called jamming. And this is when the devil basically leverages all of his media outlets into all one message to make it look like this is the only message that is being received by the culture on a particular issue. And if you have a different thought or message, you think you're alone. No one else thinks like you. And so they just they just jam they just jam every wavelength, every platform with the same message. They have attempted to do this with DeSantis's anti-grooming bill. And it has failed spectacularly. And the reason it has failed spectacularly is because we're pushing back on it ruthlessly. That also would not have happened a few years ago. We're getting closer. Now, let's sober things up here a little bit. Where do we really need to be? We're getting closer. I wanted to acknowledge that, okay? If you're a parent, particularly with teenagers, acknowledge all progress. Can I get an amen on that? Sure. All right? Doesn't mean, though, we're finished products. But we are we are in a better place than we were a week ago as a, as a cultural insurgency here. If we're going to openly call BS on Fox News attempts to be controlled opposition and control the Overton window, 
And it's not just going to be the same handful of us that have already been blacklisted at Fox, but including now people like Ned Ryan, who are on Fox News all the time. They're going to do it. Then we're that's yes. Yep. And if we're we're going to recognize the jamming technique and push back on it with impunity. That's we are a step closer now. But here's the final step. I saw an article from uh, what's increasingly becoming one of my favorite websites, not the B. And it's the Babylon B people that actually do real, that are doing like real news stories that are not parody. Right. Okay. Yes. And one of the things they published this morning is it looks like the only way you're going to stop things like Leah Thomas from destroying women's sports is with lawsuits. That's not true. That is not true. As much as you guys, I know I love those people. I still want to work. I still want to work for them when I grow up. Mm -hmm. Okay. But that's not true. Not true. There's another way to do this that doesn't require any lawsuits. The problem is it requires something that has largely become a myth in modern American culture. You ready? Dads. Dads that are like, ah, hell no. Hell no. No. No, we're not even going to let this event happen. Nope. It's going to be a no from me, dog. Not happening. That would do it. That would stop it. Nope. That's one place. Here's the other. There is no way to coexist in a culture with those who are willing to sexually groom children or are willing to tolerate it in order to maintain an overall agenda. You cannot share a culture with that. You should not even want to. And I promise it has no intention of sharing one with you. Plans on taking your kids from you. That's exactly right. It must be forcefully confronted by all peaceable, lawful means necessary. Rooted out. It must be bastardized. It must be destroyed. It must be demeaned. To the point it wouldn't dare, like someone running for office with a white hood wouldn't even attempt to do that. With that level of shame attached to it. That's what it will take. And it's going to take more than poop tweeting Mark Hamill a few times. Okay? As fun as that is. It's going to take a little more than that. When we get to those places... When we get to those places where the dads get together and say, you know what? You thinking what I'm thinking? Word. Let's find out what happens. And then parents and Americans get together and say, when the groomers and the drag queen story time hours show up, you thinking what I'm thinking? Yeah, I kind of am. Let's find out what happens. When we get there, Then we got a shot. 
Okay? Then we got a shot. Several of you have asked me, why aren't we, why aren't we talking about the American trucker convoy on this show? A week ago, I would have figured we'd be talking about it all the time. Why, haven't, why hasn't it come up? I'll tell you why. It's not disrupting anything. They're great patriots. Love them. God bless them. Driving around, doing laps around D.C. and meeting with senators who are already fighting for you and agree with you doesn't do anything. Doesn't disrupt anything. We, that's not a confrontation. We must Confrontations cause disruptions. We must be willing to disrupt. Dads must be willing to step in in those sporting events and disrupt the proceedings. Not happening. Not happening here. We will disrupt. When your school boards introduce the grooming curriculum, you must be willing to disrupt. Simply tweeting about it or posting a link to it on Facebook ain't going to be good enough. So we're comfortable now, we're comfortable questioning BS openly from people that claim to be wearing our jersey, from just the same three, four, five people that have been already doing it. That's great news. That's great. We're comfortable now pushing back against their narratives as opposed to, how do I four-dimensional chest this? No, I'm just going to push you back just as hard. Cool. That's great. Those are positive steps. But there's still a couple steps left we need to take. And if we don't take those steps, our children and grandchildren will be forced into taking the kinds of steps we'd prefer them to not have to. So somebody in this audience has got to be thinking, man, I, I've, I've got to get this refi or auto loan or mortgage or business loan done before the Fed follows through on those threats to raise interest rates. Before you do that, all right, make sure you check out our friends over at ScoreMaster so that you know exactly, not just you probably can get your credit score with a million other places, but do you know why you have that score? And then do you know how you can get to the score that you want? I used ScoreMaster fourth quarter of last year to help me uh, get to where I wanted to be, which was an obscenely low interest rate for the refi on our home. And it works. So this is information that they have on you that now you should have. It should empower you so that you know not just the score you have, but why, and then how to get to the score that you want. Sometimes people can raise their score up to 60 points in just a few weeks. All right, so check out our friends over at ScoreMaster right now at scoremaster.com slash Steve. That's scoremaster.com slash Steve. Well, he is the man on Twitter who likes to bring the receipts, as they say these days. Drew Holden joins us again here on the program. Good to see you again, Drew. How are you? Steve, pleasure's mine, sir. Appreciate you having me back on, and I'm, I'm doing great. Well, good. Let's talk about a couple of narratives that have been going around lately that I've seen you have recently addressed. And you're, these threads where you come up with what was actually said about these things previously or at the time when they attempt to retcon or memory hole these things or newspeak these things. One of them, of course, is what's going on with drilling and the price of gas. Walk us through, because the new narrative is now that this is all Putin's fault. So apparently the price of gas and the price of oil per barrel didn't 
move until about two weeks ago, right? That's the narrative. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. If you if you just opened up the newspaper today and this is the first time you're reading about this issue, then yeah, I would imagine that's probably what you would see. Uh, it's not true, right? One of the things that I think people have forgotten about somehow, right? It was such a big campaign tenant that I'm, I'm a little bit surprised that they have. But one of the things that Joe Biden ran on was he was going to help the transition from fossil fuels to renewable energies. Now, he said repeatedly that one of the ways he was going to do that was by laying the hammer down and punishing oil and gas. And in office, he did. Right. And so he um, one of the big things he did was obviously he blocked the Keystone XL pipeline. Mm -hmm. but that wasn't the only thing that he did. He originally stopped uh, oil and gas leases on federal lands which make up a pretty considerable chunk of both natural gas and, and oil uh, that, that we get domestically. And so originally he stops them. A court comes through with an injunction and says, you can't do that. It's, it's illegal for you to, to bring back these leases. Um, and then he kind of end arounded it just two weeks ago, said, OK, fine. If you won't let me use my, my pricing that I want to do, right, something called the social cost of carbon that punishes oil and gas based on this kind of uh, you know, one judge called it voodoo economics of what the, the harm supposedly that fossil fuels are doing. He said, if you won't let me play by my rule book, if you won't let me use this, these numbers that I want to, I'm just going to pull the plug on the whole thing. So only two weeks ago, he took pretty dramatic action to limit domestic energy supply. And despite that, two days ago, he comes out and says, my administration is doing nothing that would undermine our ability to produce energy domestically, which is absurd. So... Who's buying this? Well, the Democrats are certainly buying it, um, and which which is a little bit fascinating, I think, in a number of ways. One of the things that that Biden has said recently is that I have I have no control over natural gas prices, which you know to some extent it's it's really hard for a president. You know, Donald Trump ran into this. It's really hard for a president to give the, the price of gas that he wants to to American consumers. But at the start of the year in their kind of roundup end of year note to reporters, the Biden White House went out to reporters and said, gas prices are down 10 points from their recent highs because of us. And the media and Democrats ran with it. They bought it then. They said, ah, of course, Biden is doing things. He's He said he was going to work tirelessly to address gas prices. And that was repeated ad nauseum across the corporate press and among his, his his Democratic supporters. When the when the going was good, everyone was happy to believe it. And now all of those same voices have flipped it back, right? You've got outlets like MSNBC and others who are just running CNN, I think yesterday too, ran with headlines that say that this is Putin's fault. This is this is entirely on Putin. The price you pay at the pump, it owes it is owed to exactly one man and it's not Joe Biden. I saw yesterday uh, Jen Psaki came out with the talking point of blaming the oil companies now. Now, I, I've been pointing out for the last week or so, I would assume, you know, the the co the companies represent arguably the most important and largest industry on planet Earth have lobbyists. Mm -hmm. yeah. are, 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 you know, I've got I know I've got friends of mine who are members of Congress yeah. or in the Senate. None of them have been lobbied by any big oil lobbyist whatsoever to drill baby drill. Like they're not running any right. ads. Chevron actually just about two weeks ago bought a large independent ethanol operation that they know up front won't make them any money, but their board just wanted right. woke points and that's why they bought it. Yep. Okay. Exactly. And so now, but now I'm wondering if this is, if the if they're going to go ahead and make the oil companies who would prefer to get woke points than drill too, if they're going to turn yeah. them into a scapegoat, maybe they will rouse that sleeping giant here a little bit. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, probably. Yeah, I suspect that's right. And you know, this has been a Biden White House tactic for a number of months recently. If you remember back when food prices started going up, 
what did Bernie Sanders and the Democrats and Joe Biden do? They said, oh, it's corporate greed, right? Jen Psaki said back then, this is corporate greed. That's why things are so expensive. It's got nothing to do with us. It's got nothing to do with macroeconomics. And so I think it's a really easy and kind of convenient card for them to play because they know that their base doesn't like big business. They don't like any business. And so it's really easy for them to point the finger and say, these guys you already don't like, throw them under the bus. And Democrats have been doing that in hearings with oil and gas execs on the Hill. I mean, I think it was just a couple of weeks ago, they said that their efforts to muddy the waters on climate change were the same thing that tobacco did around links to cancer, mm -hmm. which is preposterous, one. But two, I think it, it, it does a really good job of showing where the Democratic Party's head is at in terms of their feeling towards these companies. Uh, and so, yeah, I think they make an incredibly easy villain and scapegoat. And we've only just started to see that. Let's go to another narrative that has been uh, perpetuated here in the last few days, and that is the don't say gay controversy uh, in Florida. Yeah. And and I mentioned uh, just in the in the opening uh, montage and monologue before you came on that this is this is the first time that I can recall that the right on a divisive culture war issue uh when when they when they went full jamming on the other side and leveraged every resource and platform they had for one particular message aggressively called bs and pushed back on it like yeah. like didn't try to say well it's not really that or obfuscate or right. figure out some right. four dimensional chess and run away that actually went right head on into the into the into the wind there to the eye of the storm and and yeah. uh to hell's heart basically and stabbeth thee right i can't remember right. The, the, the right ever doing this ever um, me, me either. Go ahead. Tell, let's talk about that for a few minutes. Your thoughts. Yeah, I, I think that's right. You know, I think, you know, we, we've seen obviously with Donald Trump, I think we're seeing it increasingly with, with Governor DeSantis down in Florida. It does seem that finally Republicans in the elected office are kind of waking up to the idea that they're simply because the Democrats or the media or anyone else puts a target on their back doesn't mean they have to cower in fear in the corner. Right. Mm -hmm. We can we can still speak truth to these people in these organizations and to the American people. And I think you're right. We're doing a good job on this issue. Um, I think part of the reason we're, we collectively are doing such a good job is this should intellectually at least be low hanging fruit. Right. There, there's good, ready made rebuttals. All the Republican Party, I think, really needs to do about this don't say gay bill is ask in good faith to any parent in Florida or anywhere else in the country why they think kindergartners need to learn about sex and sexuality. Why is that something that's valuable and important? Mm -hmm. And so I think you're right. I think we have really punched through on this issue. Um, but I think part of the reason that we've done that is because it's it's really open for the taking. We could have done this on a lot of these issues, though. We could have right. we could have we could have we could have changed the the the, the messaging. Uh, you know, why do you want to groom kids? We, we could have done this on, you know, on guns. I mean, why do you want yep. a college co-ed um, on a campus to be defenseless against a rapist? We, we could have yep. done this for like 20, 30 years. Why haven't we? I think this is this is the face of the new Republican Party, right? That this is a this is a party that is a lot more comfortable fighting and pushing back both on culture war issues, but just more broadly, right? I think unfortunately for the last 20 or 30 years, right, my my entire life, certainly most of my adult life, uh, the Republican Party has largely been pretty feckless, particularly on these culture war issues and particularly on issues that are tied to identity. And so I think that the Republican Party for a long time has just been really scared. They don't want, and I think a big part of that is the people who are scared, right? It's not it's not just the whole that is scared. It's that individual people are upset about 
are, are concerned about upsetting their friends at cocktail parties in D.C. Mm-hmm. And that for a long time, that kind of social nicety governed the sorts of issues where Republicans were willing to lean in on. And I think now you're seeing a Republican Party that is far more willing to throw punches back the way the Democrats have taken advantage of us for the last 20 or 30 years on all of these issues and say no. And you're right. Step in and call BS on, on some of these things. All right. Last thing I want to ask you about, because you are the uh, keep the receipts guy. All right. You've got these threads at the ready whenever the fallacies roll out. So I got to ask, let's be prescient here. What are you keeping receipts on right now in anticipation that this is a thread that you will unleash at some point later on in response to the next big lie? Sure. Uh, Always, always a dangerous undertaking when I try and get the crystal ball out. So I'll I'll throw that (laughs) caveat in here. But I got to be honest, the one thing, you know, one of the things I think I look for for these threads is I try and look at places where Republicans, Democrats, the media, everyone or most of everyone kind of agrees and all sees the same thing and are kind of running towards the same path. Uh, And to be honest with you, I, I hope that I'm wrong on this. But to me right now, that's Ukraine. I think that we've been we've been handed a really, really convenient, buttoned up, easy narrative mm-hmm. about Ukraine. Um, I think some of that is because they are they were invaded. Right. They, they, they have done nothing wrong to be invaded. They're being invaded by an obviously evil geopolitical power in, in, in Vladimir Putin's Russia. And those things are easy and neat. But I worry that somewhere in between they are these guys are, are, are suffering right for reasons that are outside of their control. And this is the most heroic country ever put on the face of the earth. There might be there might be some degrees of freedom where we're, we're being a little bit fast and loose with the truth there. Uh, and so that's the one that I think for me has been building and percolating. And again, I hope I'm wrong, right? I, I hope that this really is that cut and dry. The story really is that simple. Uh, but whenever I see really simple stories, I think I, I, I get a, a pit of, of anxiety in my stomach about yep. what the truth might end up doing to that. that Amen to that. Narrative. The thing that really bothers me about it too is when when they wanted to impose jab mandates, they didn't they didn't mm-hmm. use government. They used your your job. They used private industry right. to implement this uh, uh, for them. Similarly, right. we we didn't come out with the actual policies that might have damaged Russia at the nascent stages of this invasion. Yep. Okay. Now we now we kind of are doing it, but at our own expense because we're not offsetting it with our own domestic production. But but right. guess who is again to the forefront of punishing the Russian people who themselves are living under this a dictator. They're invaded every day by Vladimir Putin and have yeah. been for about 20 years. Yeah. But it's cor- it's the corporate sector again. They're the right. ones really bringing the pain on the people, not our government policies. That is not a positive. I don't that is a trend line that troubles me greatly. Me too. And I think one of the things that we're doing right now is we're running a real time experiment of what happens when you take one of the 10 largest countries in the world and you take away all of the trappings of civilization from all of those people. Right. That's a huge, huge simulation mm-hmm. that we're running in real time that could have really long term, dangerous, damaging consequences that I don't think we did very much investigating to try and get to the bottom of before all these measures came down the pike. And, and so I, th- I think I share your concern. Yeah. And the Russian people have a history, by the way, when that's been done to them in the past of actually rallying to the Stalins of the world over the yep. to save them, to yep. save them, to save the motherland. That, that, that tactic yep. has not worked on them, uh, actually, in the past. Great stuff, Drew. Keep it up. All right. Take care. Pleasure is mine. Thank you, Steve. You bet. And if you are on Twitter, uh, you can follow me. Does phenomenal work uh, at Drew Holden, just like it sounds at Drew Holden 360 at Drew Holden 360. You know, trying to get involved in the real estate market can be stressful in any era, but especially in these 
unprecedented times. Bing. You want to make sure that you have, when you do so, you go in with an agent that has a fully verified track record of success so you can trust them to get you the results you're looking for. Where would you find that kind of an agent? Well, the name kind of says it all. Head over to the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Again, that's realestateagentsitrust.com, a company started by Glenn Beck and some of his buddies because, well, they ran into agents they found out too late they could not trust. And so just about anywhere you want to move to or from, we can help you find a real estate agent you can trust at realestateagentsitrust.com. All right, thoughts on the conversation we just had with Drew Holden. Well, going back to talking about uh, the Florida issue, and you said what's what's changed. We could have been doing this all along. You're of course right. Uh, but the reason a lot of people didn't was because they, they genuinely thought there's no way it could get this crazy. But they don't really believe it's so nuts they can't really believe it. Yeah. Like, it's, it's rhetorical, it's yes. political, but they don't substantively yes. believe this stuff. Yes. Yeah. So you, you thought sooner or later the crazy had to run out. You keep making enough compromises. And this is, listen, this is uh, the Hegelian dialect. Yeah. Uh, thesis, antithesis, yeah. synthesis. It's uh, a reference we haven't used often enough on this show recently. But they kept losing that game and it did get crazier each and every time. And I think enough people. Uh, we need a lot more, and this is what Steve just uh, started the show on. Uh, but a lot of people are reason are thinking we we can't. This is the Kobayashi Maru. We cannot win this game on our side. We will be devoured by this if we keep compromising. You're seeing it playing out every day in real time. What we have talked about and warned about regarding progressivism in the spirit of the age which is that truth went from relative to subjective to irrelevant. All that matters is power. Trying to argue with these uh, types of narratives is almost a fool's errand nowadays. It's always good to exercise and to illustrate for those who may have their eyes opened for a temporary amount of time or Maybe genuinely trying to seek truth for the first time. It's always good to demonstrate what the truth actually is or how to even find it if it's available. Mm. But for the rest, it is just, it's just narrative. The truth is irrelevant. The only relevant factor is whether or not saying or doing this helps me hold on to or garner more power. That's progressivism 101. That's the spirit of the age 101. I mean, again... Folks, the latest week we have fully certified data from the World Health Organization, end of February. So right as they were memory-holing COVID, that right at the dawn of, of, of Biden's State of the Union on March the 1st. So this, this was when all this rolling back and all this memory-holing was going on leading up to the State of the Union. That very time period, mm-hmm. right? More people died with COVID that week than did a year ago mm-hmm. at that exact same time in 2021. Where are all the hushed tones yes. now? Yeah. Which just that, that I can't I can't present you of, of of all the pieces of evidence we have shown on this show for the last twenty four months that this has never really ever been about health. There is no better piece of evidence than that. The virus was wreaking more havoc on human life in this country at the time that they sent, they jettisoned COVID than it was a year ago. So why did they jettison COVID? Because it was never about health. It was always about power. It was threatening their ability to hold on to power, so it had to go. We'll come back with Hour 2 here in a moment.
Back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Aaron McIntyre, Todd Erzin. And all of you, let us know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. Email us, steve at stevedace.com. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter and Getter. And then you can uh, get her yourself some clips of the show that are free to watch and free of censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Thank you for being a podcast listener too, especially if you're one of the thousands that have sent us five-star reviews, hit the subscribe or follow button. Thank you to each and every one of you for each and every one of those. And we would appreciate it if you've yet to add your name to those ranks, if you would do so for us today. Thank you in advance for that. And now we talk about my underwear. Uh, Tommy John, this portion of the show brought to you by Tommy John. They have a fantastic product. So good, in fact, that I've gone back. In fact, I just about a week ago went back and bought a fourth round. That's how much I love this stuff. The greatest underwear I've ever worn. They gave me the first few pairs for free. And then I just, you know, buy more every few months or so on my own because the product is that good. They've got a lot of other great stuff too. Loungewear, which, yeah, I wear that a lot as well too because... I'm old and no one cares what I look like anymore. Uh, And then uh, also, uh, they got stuff for the ladies. Now, I can't tell you much about that. Okay, I don't, uh, I'm not Senator Lindsey Graham, nor do I work for him. So I'm not big into wearing women's clothes. But uh, I I can guess if it's anywhere near the quality of what they do for the men. Although Lindsey may be more of an expert, frankly, more I think about it on male undergarments, uh, if it's anywhere near as good as what they do for us guys or we guys, uh, then it's got to be great. So if you want to try it today, get 20% off to give it a shot for your first order right now. 20% off your first order when you go to tommyjohn.com slash Steve. That's tommyjohn.com slash Steve for 20% off. Oh, and uh, yeah, just got to go to the website. Don't need the promo code. tommyjohn.com slash Steve. And now... The forecast for this segment, pain. (laughs) Forecast. You're not an epidemiologist. You're not allowed to. I'm sorry. Thank you. Provide a forecast. I I think we can say this. We're about halfway through this book. I, I think we can say that whatever... And if I ever decide to do a, a verse-by-verse Bible study again, like we did with Colossians a couple of years ago, I think we, we now know that we don't have to do lamentations. That we That'll seem like redundant. <laughs> we've done lamentations. We've done Ecclesiastes. Because this is like a real-life study of those books. Is it not? Okay. You should just add a picture of <clears throat> Scott on the book and like... You know, rendering his garments and uh, yeah, need to be more Old Testament, I think. I mean, yes, if I just said, hey, this was, now we continue our study of the book of Jeremiah. Yes. (laughs) I mean, this is, this is a tough read, guys. It is a tough read, but I think it is important to get all the way to the end. And so we've been talking about Scott Atlas's book, A Plague Upon Our House, my fight at the Trump White House to stop COVID from destroying America, because we have a, a three-book series that we're going to do this year on Theology Thursday, practically observing the spirit of the age in the wild, in its own habitat. How does it behave? How does it perform? Um, study your enemy. 
so that then you are, you better understand what is required to defeat it. And the good news from this handy dandy little uh, ditty is we're getting a we're getting really an expert expose on what not to do. Like every single chapter, don't do that, don't do this, don't say that, don't do that. Pretty much every chapter. So, Todd, I'll let you begin. What stands out to you that we need to discuss at this chat in this chapter from a spirit of the age perspective? Well, I kept thinking about the first time we had him on the show during this chapter. I, we brought this up before, but uh, when we when uh, Aaron then went to promo uh, that Aaron put a headline on the social media. The he pronouns you're talking about Scott Atlas. First time we had Scott Atlas on the show. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, and, and he put a headline on that and. I think Scott, through, through me, because I booked him, uh, asked if uh, we could tweak that language a little bit because he thought whatever Aaron chose was just more aggressive than what he... Oh, yes, I remember this. But what he intended. Yeah. And, I, I, and, and I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. I mean, just to... He, I mean, he was... And, and, and in this chapter, you could tell that there was still too much... Of that Scott Atlas in him, even when he went to the White House, because we talked to him way before he ended up getting, I mean, how many months before he got to the White House did we have him on our show, Steve? May. I, mean, I think May was the first yeah. time, yeah, and he got there in August, so yeah, yeah several months. Because, he, he, you know, even even being a professor uh, at Stanford, a, a, a very, that's in a very liberal city, it's a very liberal university, Scott, in in clearly the the life that he lived there, was clearly insulated from the realities of American politics, particularly in the Trump era. He went there earnestly with all the best intentions. I want to help. I want to help. He was in awe to be called. He's clearly a patriot and all that stuff. And there's clearly an edge to him that in his life, he hasn't been a pushover in any way. That's abundantly clear. But he didn't clearly realize that either he was going to be the one uh, taking scalps or his was going to be taken because going once he was in front of the rest, the, the press, he still had an expectation that he could and would be viewed objectively if he just presented the objective uh, data. yes yeah and there was no way that was ever going to happen so i'm interested to see if he says in the book because we've asked even before doing this book study like i wonder what went him caused him to go hulk mad maybe he says it later on maybe it is this chapter he hasn't reflected on that yet i mean he he's doing it internally but he, he still hasn't here just said enough is enough. I mean, last chapter, yeah, he call, he simply, by nature, was not going to agree with Burks right in front of the president because that would make him a liar. But he, he now he's writing this book and he's naming names and he doesn't give an F. He, but that wasn't him yet. That's clearly in this chapter that he was not there yet. He, he thought that he could just by nature of good intentions write the ship that that's impossible so from a here's what i think is the is a theological application of what you just said is that one 
mercy triumphs over judgment. And I've been saying that a lot recently on the show, maybe to check my own spirit, frankly, more than anything else. But if we're going to properly, you know what, let me take a step back. What is our calling culturally? We feed sheep and we confront wolves. That's basically it in a nutshell. We feed sheep and we confront wolves. But we have to be careful that we we serve a Lord who leaves 99 behind to find the one lost sheep, right? So then if we're to emulate him, does that mean we chase the bad guy into the crowded mall and begin just spraying buckshot all over the place? And then if we happen to catch, if the bad guy gets in the cross, gets in the crossfire, we take him down. Then it doesn't matter what the collateral damage was because mission accomplished. Is that, is that, does that line up with like just war or any Christian moral ethic or tradition or virtue throughout the 2000 years of church teaching? No, that's Fauciism. Yes. That's utilitarianism. Right. Correct. So therefore we err on the side of sheep. We always start with the presumption that all are like sheep and easily led astray. We always start with that assumption. But we also are called to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Yes. We're also called not to be na- knaves, to be you know taken advantage of, uh, to, to be jellyfish. Okay? So where's the line between those two things? How do we know who's a sheep and how do we know who's a wolf? Sheep don't know. Wolves don't want to know. Let me say that again. Sheep don't know. Wolves don't want to know. There is no argument you could make to a wolf. It won't suddenly morph into a cocker spaniel. You know what? I thought I was hungry. You reasoned with me. Now I'm a Bichon. No. Once a wolf, always a wolf. It will be a wolf. The wolf must be confronted. So the sheep just don't know. They need to be tended. They need to be fed. They need to be taught. And that's an ongoing process, by the way. Otherwise, they'll fall prey to the wolf. But the wolves are the connivers. They're the schemers. They don't want to know. They are fully... They are fully knowledgeable of what they are perpetuating. So let's take a step back and apply this to an issue like the uh, the Florida uh, uh, fallacy we were discussing last hour. Okay. So in the case of that, how many people, and, and this is the likely scenario, this is probably true of even a Mark Hamill, for example, how many people just because of the partisan spirit in the country and the partisan breakdown of the country. And we can be love your neighbors. You love yourself. We can be just as prone to that on the other side. A, a narrative captures yeah. the the talking point and it gets spread by the, of, of, by the like-minded without actually looking at it and critically thinking through it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is probably the, the vast majority of people that are perpetuating the don't say gay lie. The vast majority of people perpetuating this probably don't want their kindergartners and first and second and third graders to be uh, inundated with sex talk and sodomy and all that other stuff either. 
But um, DeSantis, I've got DeSantis derangement syndrome. I had Trump derangement syndrome or someone with an R after their name presented this to me. So therefore it can't possibly be true. Okay. I mean, these sorts of things are what happens when you have a country that is as balkanized and polarized as ours. So those people are sheep. You, 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 and then, and, and, but then what happens if you show them the objective information? They may not agree with you. They may not validate you. Chances are more than likely they just kind of walk away and go silent because they still don't want to cross the ideological picket line. Okay. But there are definitely people who absolutely want to groom children and just as bad are totally fine with perpetuating it, particularly amongst the classes of people that they would never, their kids aren't going to those schools anyway. You know what I'm saying? They're going to the Sidwell school for friends. All right. So they're, they're perfectly fine with that happening to the riffraff in order to perpetuate an agenda. Because they understand that if we can successfully push back on them at this level, then we've established a new baseline of the next time we have an argument, we're going to push back on, well, why are we doing this with fourth, fifth, and sixth graders? You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They know that. But, but, and, but, and, and, but their overall agenda is more important to them than protecting the little kids. With those people, mercy is not on the menu anymore. Judgment is now on the menu. And that's why we have police. That's why we have elections. That's why we have a second amendment. Judgment is on the menu. Because we confront wolves. And so in this case with with Scott Atlas, he's going into this situation. Probably not even believing it was possible. There was this level of dishonesty. That all of these various structures could be this dishonest all at the same time. And did we not ourselves question that? in the early days mm-hmm. while we were pushing back on this. Are we missing something here? Right. Okay. And now he finally has his shot. He's been questioning these things from afar, kind of backseat driving and Monday morning quarterback quarterbacking for months now. And now he's, he's the starting quarterback. He's in the game. Okay. And he thinks that, you know, maybe if we just call the right play, because he's thinking probably, well, don't you guys want to, go back to seeing your kids at Little League games too, right? And this is the moment now, which which you're seeing in this chapter, is beginning the moment where he's beginning to realize there are very few sheep, at least here in Washington, D.C., and mostly wolves. One of my favorite lines from Augustine, I have quoted it many, many times over the years in in various forms. There are many sheep without there are or there are there are there are many sheep without even more wolves within and i think this is the moment now where he confronts the reality of that truth thoughts well it's not only w- within uh the press but also within his own stanford community his yes. own, his own secular church so to speak yeah uh, his own and, peer group yeah and yeah. how they all came out after him uh, s- simply for daring to speak what he thought was the calling of all of his peers there. Ultimately, uh, a pursuit of truth. 
that's why I'm so I'm 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 renewed in wh- why I want to continue reading this. I'm really going to be fascinating to see if the, every chapter from here on on if he's got more of the fight now we become accustomed to because the guy the Scott Atlas we talked on the last time which was to preview this book coming mm-hmm. out mm-hmm. is a different much angrier man than the one we talked to the first time and I think he's been on our show like four separate times at the very least i mean he he was radicalized and in this chapter he's just he flat out calls the press like the worst human beings on the face of the earth uh for what they did so i'm really interested to see going forward if he's decided uh to stop pulling punches we're getting Aaron's take on things here in a moment, but uh, reminder that throughout the month of March, Theology Thursday is brought to you by the Inspire 2022 Conference. What does it mean to treat your body as a temple? What does it mean to make sure you're taking the right preventative health uh, measures so that you're not subjected to the death care system that we've all witnessed over the last 24 months. A lot of great speakers are going to be involved in this conference. There's a roundtable uh, that includes yours truly as well. Uh, it is a free conference and it's all online. If you are interested and you want to sign up and register, get more information for this April 2nd and 3rd conference, just go to inspireforhealth.com. That's inspireforhealth.com. One of our speakers, Olympic gold medalist, world record holder, Sydney McLaughlin will be one of our speakers as well. Dr. Ryan Cole, you know, from our show here, he'll be a part of the event as well. Again, uh, inspireforhealth.com. You can register online for free at inspireforhealth.com. Can I say one thing before you go, Aaron? Unless anybody confused what I'm talking, like I am not criticizing Dr. Ackless, I get it. I was at the register for 12 years. When I started, I knew what the press was like. And that was back then, which we're almost 20 years ago now. But I tried to get along. I tried to be nice. And once it just didn't matter anymore, then I was just me. And I said, okay, it's on. Yeah. Now, okay. Now it's just time to start calling you son of the devil. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. So I I get the position he's in. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Aaron, what say you? So I actually thought that the shift that Todd was kind of lamenting there from Dr. Atlas happened in that confrontation after I believe it was the press conference where where Atlas was formally introduced as a member of the task, introduced more on that in a moment, as a member of the task force. And he said he was taken aback and he, was it Bill Rader? Is that his first name mm-hmm. or um, of one of the advisors, or is it Phil Rader. Phil Rader, I yeah. think, yes, one of the advisors in the White House, and he essentially says to Phil, whom he who, whom he likes, essentially, I, I can't believe it's this bad. I, they don't understand who I am, meaning my pedigree, mm-hmm. where I've come from. Right. And Rader looks at him. Atlas says, much more sternly than usual. Atlas says, and says, no, it's you who don't understand, right. Scott. As soon as you touched this administration, you became a part of this administration, meaning you didn't understand. You didn't understand what you were getting into here. If you thought that they were just going to say, oh, he's an expert. So going back to the uh, the introduction, the introduction. What's one of the endorsements on rules for patriots? We've been over this 5,000 times. Who's one of the endorsements on that? Donald Trump Donald is. Donald Trump is. Yeah, wrote that endorsement myself. <laughs> what is <laughs> what is uh, Rules for Patriots a takeoff of? Rules for rules Radicals. Rules for Radicals. Yeah. What's one of the rules of Rules for Radicals? 
always define your opponent before they define you. Isn't that one of the rules of, of rules for radicals, if I'm not mistaken? Now we're talking rhetorically here, and I have a I have a few words on this. Um, Donald Trump completely and completely left Dr. Atlas and really himself hanging out to dry. Instead of offering his various pedigree and how he is actually an expert and why this his uh, his background fits in with what he's doing here and and what he will be doing with the task force, uh, he's a very smart guy, very smart man. He has some good ideas. And that totally allowed the press to paint Dr. Atlas as however they wanted him to be, whatever they needed him to be, whatever foil they needed to paint him as. That's a mistake. It seemed like the entire White House staff, communication staff, with a few exceptions that Dr. Atlas very well points out, like Kaylee, Mac- he has high praise for Kaylee McEnany, uh, among a-, a few others. They had no plan. There was no plan, it seemed like. For having defeated the media, it seemed like they were at the media's will every single day. And that's disappointing, and it's unacceptable. You know, on the, heel, on the heels of, the, though, of what we were talking about the, at the end of last hour, you need to have good rhetoric. You need to have your um, hand-on-hand rhetorical combat down. When dealing with the media, when dealing with your political opponents, it's important that you have that down. But at the end of the day, when you're dealing with this far gone of a media, when you're dealing with this far gone of a system... You can have all the rhetorical points that you want. I believe if Donald Trump would have done a great job of defining himself before his opponents defined his new appointment in Scott Atlas, I believe the next few months would have probably looked the same. Because the, at the end of the day, the only language that bullies understand, it's not rules for radicals, it's not rules for patriots, it's important to put those into place because then you leave yourself up, because if you don't, you leave yourself up, your rear flank open for attacks, needless attacks. But at the end of the day, the only language they understand is power and action. And there was just not enough of that. Not only was there not enough power, so it, they can't even get the, the rhetorical game down right. They can't even get the media game down pat, at least not on a consistent basis. I'm not sure why we ever expected them, this White House task force or the White House itself, to actually act affirmatively in the way that needed to be done. And that's a great disappointment. And guys, if Donald Trump, you know, if Donald Trump ends up being the nominee in 24, if we even have an election in 2024, you know, I, I'll probably vote for him. But the dude has to answer for this. He has to answer for it. And if he doesn't, then I'm not sure. I'm not sure what the channel Hillary at this point, what difference does it make? I, he has to answer for the last six months of his administration, six to eight months. I think you bring up numerous interesting points, man, uh, that are valuable to discuss, but I could probably boil it down to one response. Has Donald Trump shown you since he left office that the things that have been uncovered so far in this book 
the lessons to be learned so far in this book that he has that he's learned something from them no no well, i mean that's that's to me that's the question i think unless you're a communist you would agree that even a a, a non adaptable trump would be far preferable in the White House making decisions than what we currently have. That's that's not the question. And I, I can't imagine anybody who's not a communist or just has decided that they will let a personal disdain for someone they've never met cause them to sign up to support the eradication of their values and way of life. Either one of those two people, frankly, aren't, aren't worth engaging. They're, they're, both of those groups of people are at the, at, at the dust kicking off of sandals stage of the interaction here. We're, we're done dialoguing, I guess is what I'm trying to say, with such folks. So we're really talking about everybody else. And if you're not in those two camps, which is the majority of Americans... Hell yeah, you'd rather have Donald Trump and his team, even in the state that's articulated here in Atlas's book, you'd rather have them making the decisions right now. And that's why you have Joe Biden with a 28% approval rating, right? Mm-hmm. But they're going to do this to him again. Because it worked the last time. They will present some cataclysmic event for which he couldn't possibly go on running the country as he was elected to do. The moments before the event was presented that he must that it must stop in order for this narrative to now be catered to and served. And I think that's the question. Have you seen there is a there is another facet of Trump as a leader? And I think that's what that's what we all need to be looking for, guys, over these next couple of years, because he's going to be the GOP nominee again. And again, this is not an endorsement. It's just reality. You know, I mean, I, I don't I don't endorse tornadoes. But when I looked out the my window and saw funnel clouds in central Iowa last weekend, guess what I said? Look, kids, tornado head to the basement. They didn't look at me and say, Dad, why do you love tornadoes so much? They're dangerous. I mean, don't be a child. Okay. This isn't an endorsement, it's a forecast. And it's pretty lead pipe cinch lock one. It's going to be the nominee, period, if he wants to be. And health doesn't intervene. Or the country doesn't all out collapse by then. He'll be the nominee. So then the question is, has he learned anything from this experience? Will he demonstrate that over the course of, has he demonstrated it already? Will he demonstrate it over the course of the next couple of years? That's really the question, gentlemen. Thoughts on that in the final two minutes here. <laughs> Listen, old dog, new tricks. That's, I mean, that was designed for the likes of Donald Trump. Listen, everybody wants this to be the revenge to her. To be completely honest, most people, that's what they want. They want the Schadenfreude out of all of this. They want to rub it in the left's faces. I get it. I I, I have some of that in me. Uh, as well, I remember feeling it the first time w- when we were sitting here 
uh, on election night 2016. And Steve, you had little birdies coming in and talking about um, it wasn't looking good for Trump. And then we watched it in real time because we were on mm-hmm. at night. And it happened. And it was funny. And it would be funny again. But I, it, that just means it's incumbent on us, though. If, if that's good enough just to get him in, all of our games need to be much better and prompting him, if he does get in, to do our will. It's like we talked about with Drew Holden. Like, why why weren't we doing this the whole time? Well, if we haven't seen by now, this is a civil war. Two men enter, one men leave. And you absolutely have to got to up your game and level of passion to the, to the other side, or they will eat you alive. They promise. Here's the reality, and I can make this really quick. We all want to, is Trump different? Has he learned anything? Here's what's going to happen. If there is a primary, it's going to go down exactly like 2015 and 2016 did. If he's reelected, I think I think it's there's going to do a lot of stuff that we like, some stuff that makes us cringe, and God forbid there's going to be another crisis like this, and I think it will go down because nothing changes with him. Nothing. I want to be wrong, though. I really want to be wrong more than anything else. Three non-political questions are next. Stay tuned. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show. If you're a dog owner, you know that taking care of your pet means more than just giving it food and water. A dog has been a part of your family. So its health and happiness are important to you. And that's why you want to take a look at Rough Greens. Uh, It is the protein, vitamin, mineral supplement powder that you mix in with your pet's food. And with that one simple act, a lot of the vitamins, minerals, and nutrients that were stripped out of the dog's food before it ever left the factory. Same thing they do to the people food. That's why we take so many of these supplements these days to put that stuff back in our diet that we need. Well, they do it to our pets too. And for the same reasons, mass distribution, Uh, longer shelf life, et cetera. So give your pet back the things in its diet that it really needs with Rough Greens. And if you listen to my dog, Cap, it also tastes great. Now, maybe you're not sure your dog will like it. Well, one way to find out, we give you that first 14-day Jumpstart bag for free. You'll pay for the shipping, but we give you the first bag for free just to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less when you go to roughgreens.com. R-U-F-F for roughgreens.com or call 833-ROUGH-DOG. Again, that is 833-ROUGH-DOG. It's now time for three non-political questions. I'll have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. They were down by like seven points 30 seconds ago, and they're down by two now. So you might want to turn that back on. No, no, no. Actually, you'll probably want to leave it off. Yeah. It started doing better after you turned it off. Uh, question number one, what's the best conference tournament in college basketball? I hmm. love watching those small ones, man. In the high school gyms, basically. Yeah, those are a lot of fun. That was, you know, an ESPN with what they did with championship week and bringing those 
mid-major and small conference tournaments and giving them, you know, the spotlight. Uh, and and everybody knows if you lose, your season is done because you won't get invited to, to the big dance. So you have to win the whole thing. And with, 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 with what's on the line, yeah. I've got a lot of great memories as a kid of that Friday. Because uh, remember, when we were growing up, there was no Big Ten tournament. Right. Right? I mean, we didn't have a Big Ten tournament until 1998. Yeah. You know, so I mean, you and I were already adults by the time that thing came around. And so I've got a lot of great memories of that Friday afternoon in the ACC tournament, usually in like Greensboro, you know, and, uh, you know, when Bobby Kremens and Georgia Tech were great and Dean Smith in North Carolina and Coach K and uh, and Duke. And I mean, and, you know, Maryland would be really good when they were still in the ACC back in those days. I mean, I got a lot of great memories of that. A lot of great memories of the Big East tournament. The old Big East. That yeah. was my answer. The old one too. I mean I I mean the 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 era in when you had Ewing and Williams at Georgetown, Pearl Washington and Ronnie Cycli at at Syracuse, um Willie Glass and um uh Walter Berry and Chris Mullen at St. John's. I mean, those were some titanic clashes and in that, that era. In that one year um I mean, Allen Iverson's Georgetown was there at the same time as um, uh, UConn and um, uh, who the thinking of Ray Allen, Ray Allen. Yeah. And, I mean, and there, I'm missing somebody. Jesus else. Shuttleworth. Shuttlesworth. There was yeah. oh man, there was th- those are good times. But I got to go. If you ask me, my favorite, it's got to be the Big Ten, just because it's the teams that I cover, you know, the most all year long. Follow, watch the most all year long, and frankly, it's been except for winning the national championship, it's been the best conference in college basketball overall here over the last decade. So I think I'd go with the Big Ten. Although, sneaky good, and I say this because I've covered it before, is that Big 12 tournament, especially when it's oh, in yeah. Kansas City. Yeah. How do we forget about that? You know, especially being from Iowa and that, you know, they turn that into Hilton South down there every year. But I'd go with the Big Ten just because I'd be a homer probably. Uh, for me, it's the Missouri Valley uh, championship uh, conference tournament uh, in St. Louis, the Arch Madness. I don't know why that stands out to me. I always watched that growing up. Uh, a couple of local teams too, with uh, Northern Iowa and Drake in that tournament as well. So that's always always fun to watch. Sometimes you get some good games too. Uh, and question number two: What are your thoughts on the new Obi Wan TV spot? I've seen very little of it. Um, uh, I was just swamped yesterday, so. Um, I have not had a chance to delve into it in depth. I can't really give a great answer. I've seen very little of it. From, from a non-cartoon um, uh, Rebels and what's the other one? Clone Wars. Clone Wars, yeah. yeah. So I know that those are being brought in to these to the to the Mandalorian. There was to so, like the live action shows. Yeah. yeah. So um, and there's you just were informing me who the bald guy is and yeah. I, 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 my son's told me a few things about it. So, um, so I know the Inquisitors from Star Wars Rebels are in there. So there yeah. might be a lot more that somebody who knows about that could comment on. Other than that, I I think it's the the, the actual what you see visually is kind of understated. I mean, there's no Darth Vader at at all but it's the soundtrack even though we know that he's been cast he's been cast he's yeah. going to be in it but they, he's not in the trailer at all okay no right. unless i miss something okay. the guy with his helmet off that looked like darth vader to that's me. the inquisitor but that's the inquisitor that's an inquisitor okay. Yeah. yeah okay um I, for people I, that don't know I, the inquisitors are basically darth vader's kgb to hunt down the remnants of what's left of the jedi across the galaxy all right, but that's I mean, who they are. It's the musical score. It's got Duel of the Fates. It's just, 
I mean, it, it may, I said no Star Wars. Whew. It's testing it. This, this, That's saying something. This one, I mean, it is. You got a little bit of an Obi-Wan look going on right now. Yeah. <laughs> you look a little Obi-Wan-ish. It's in the DNA. I have been looking forward to this one for a long time uh, because to me, this is the, this is the marriage of the, the improved to at times excellent storytelling we have seen from the Fulani and um, uh, who's the other guy yeah, um, that did Elf and Iron Man, I, whose name escapes me. Okay, but that duo, this has been their wing of the of the Star Wars universe. So you've had Kathleen Kennedy Townsend is doing the movies. And they're doing all the TV shows, okay? And the the quality of the sh- to TV shows compared to what we saw from those three movies, it's and, and the quality of the storytelling. Even even Boba Fett, which at times was mediocre, and its best episodes were ironically ones John that he was Favreau. John Favreau. Thank you. Uh, its best episodes, ironically, were the ones he was the least in. Is still way better. I would still say Boba Fett was as a series is way better than the last Sky, the, the Rise of Skywalker. Okay, I'd say it's way better than that last Star Wars movie, and that's to me it's clearly inferior to the Mandalorian. So, if you marry those guys, their the Favreau, Filoni, Filoni duo's track record of storytelling to now a character who's got a much richer uh, uh, backstory, to, uh, material to to mine, a character who's much more important. And pivotal uh, to this entire universe. You see what I'm saying with this? I mean, it just seems like there's no way this can suck because oh, it could no. There's don't, it can't it can't it can't. How many sucky Star Wars movies have you seen? Favreau and Filoni see? didn't do those movies. Did you though. see the look on Todd's face right I know. there? Of course I know. It can, that, I just, How dare no, you have optimism? No. That was maybe the most <laughs> offensive thing I've said on this I show mean, in quite a while. Listen, can, this is where I'm torn. Uh, and you mentioned the scene. It, the nostalgia in me that kicked up when Obi-Wan is is surveying the homestead there and he sees a a Luke that looks to be like a seven or eight year old boy pretending he's on a starship. And I mean it's that's everything Star Wars is uh, supposed to be. But I don't know. I, I'm not I, I I feel like I'm just being led into it. It's a trap. <laughs> Uh, let's see. We'll have a bonus question uh, today because we've still got another nine minutes or so to go. Um, as oh, as far as I, I, I thought the commercial, uh, the, I thought the spot was great. I really did. I, I, uh, I don't recall seeing too many for the book of Boba Fett, so I don't know how to compare this. But I mean, it just looks, it looks fantastic. It really does. Um, and there's a clip of the, a little Luke Skywalker. Correct. That's I'm told. what I was about to okay. say. That that's super cool. Yeah. So pretending to be a little fighter uh-huh. pilot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be. I think it'll be good. I'm optimistic. Question number three. What's one thing you can't wrap your mind around regarding the prospect of aliens? I'll let you take this one first. Uh, our promised uniqueness. In creation, uh, as a Christian, it- see, it's interesting you went there because I was about to say I, I was about to that question originally was going to be what happens if aliens come and they say Jesus Christ is the Son of God, um, bow down before Him, 
I would reject, I don't know, I, I reject the prospect of, of sentient beings in the universe. Intelligent, yes, but sentient, I'm not sure. Now, here's one where, biblically, where there's a story, and I, I mentioned this to, I think, both of you in the past, and neither one of you rejected it as nuts, but here's one area where it's when Abraham is called out uh, to leave with his father uh, and to go to the promised land, and all, I, it, unless I'm grotesquely missing something, it's, it's, it never specifically said that he was the only one called. It, 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 it theoretically God could have called other men even in other cultures possibly before Abraham therefore I guess that opened I, I only bring that up as a possible counter to my own argument like it's I think it's more explicitly said that we as a human species are unique and beloved in creation but is it is it possibly open in the same way abraham's calling was yeah i i called you but i may have called somebody else beforehand and they just said no and they and they declined so i moved on to the next one so we didn't get father deke because deke said no we got father <laughs> abraham instead i mean okay all right i don't know um you have a lot less problem with it. I mean, I've really, I really... I don't. I, I, let, let me... Actually, you know what? Let me not overgeneralize. I don't the, theologically have a general, without qualifier, objection to it. Okay? There are things, though, that we could, we could learn about that species that maybe then I would. All right? But... Um, but but what if they're soulless? See, that's my point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, to me, then I wouldn't have any issue with it. Yeah. Okay, you know, um, you know. So just because just because the animal kingdom here ha- has not demonstrated cognitive ability, um, you know, on a smally evolutionary level. That we have as humans, which we would, uh, within a biblical worldview community, we would call that an imago day, right? That that's the image of God in us. Just because the animals here on this earth have not demonstrated that level of cognitive ability, I don't know that necessarily that means that they wouldn't anywhere else, for that matter. Okay, is there is there is there an intelligent life form that isn't an eternal being that lacks that kind of level of of, of 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 soulfulness. Are dogs intelligent? Are we defining dogs as intelligent? No, no. Apes, dolphins. I mean, yeah. There's obviously a a scale of right. intelligence. I, this I, is this is why I don't have an automatic no. Does it? I, but I should say it doesn't mean that I there there wouldn't be things that we would reveal that would be revealed to us or they would claim that would not trouble me. Okay, you know. Um, I mean, I'm not, you know, donating money to the SETI project. Okay. See, you know what I'm saying? Most but, people at your church I'm get, would disagree with you, right? I don't know. I, I, I've, the only place I've ever had this conversation within a theological construct in my life is right here on this program with the two of you. So I don't know. But, but we are getting way outside the bounds of biblical literalism, aren't we? We, we, we yeah. are, but I, so, but, but 
that's never stopped us before. <laughs> but I'm, I'm I mean, I, I can't tell you so, how many people have spent more time watching ancient aliens than they have reading their Bibles. I, I don't know. To me, to me, my thing that I can't get beyond is what I mentioned the last time we talked about this. How is it possible that we have incredibly clear visual evidence of inexplicable flying phenomenon? I don't know how you can deny that. I, I just, I don't know how you can. I, I think it's, in, it's undeniable we do. But we don't ever have any inexplicable, we don't have any absolutely clear undeniable imagery of whom or whatever is piloting and flying such craft. Can, can you put, How is that possible? You pro, I'm probably overthinking this. Can you put a finer point on that? Because I can look up, you know, once an hour and see a plane landing at uh, Des Moines International Airport. I see it's a plane. I see it crystal clear. I can't see what's flying. The difference is there's not millions of people claiming that they were abducted by an airline pilot and poked and prodded. You know what I'm saying? We do have millions of people claiming they were abducted by um, by space aliens. That's the that that's mm-hmm. one that's one difference right there. All right, uh, Captain Joe on the 747, um, you know, didn't take me, uh, didn't uh, you know, uh, Lindsey Graham me with some forceps, and I wasn't you know mm, doing a Whitney Scriber interview. Uh, or Stryber interview the next day. We got right? every Democrat in the Florida legislature right now just yell, going gay. yapping, gay, 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 gay. <laughs> like, I really, why, in, in, why isn't the power suggestion enough to account for this? All right, one last quickie question. Bring that up again in the future. That's a that's an that's an interesting point. Uh, okay. What's one? I'm getting I'm I'm starting to get excited now about the prospect of moving because it's actually happening. Um, well, congratulations! Next, uh, early next month. What's one non-electronic? man cave essential because i took your advice i have the surround sound system i have a pretty nice tv uh non-electronic man cave essential have have the 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 walls painted and 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 a lot of the things that you would like to decorate those walls already set up because time will go by quite a bit as you're raising kids it'll go by very fast all right so have that have that stuff first thing we ever did is i made sure all the walls are painted maize and blue before we put any electronics or anything in there. So I would do that first. Yeah. It's technically run by electricity, but I don't think this is what you mean. A small beer fridge. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm planning on, on a beverage cooler or, or another refrigerator. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. All right, that'll do it. We're going to stick around and record overtime for Blaze TV subscribers, which we will upload for you later today. And you can watch at blazetv.com slash dace. That's also where you, if you're not yet a Blaze TV subscriber, you'd like to become one, that's where you can go in order to subscribe to Blaze TV for a discount at blazetv.com slash dace. For the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.